Well, a listener writes, Dan, I've got a PhD, but no J-O-B. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi. Yes, you're listening to the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take eh, about 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is, in fact, meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Hey, this is where normal, indecision, and ambiguity come to die. Welcome to the 48 Days Radio Show. Well, I love going through the questions that come in week after week after week. This week is certainly no exception. The kind of questions that come in that challenge me in realizing the challenges that are out there, but also the stories that I'm hearing from all of you who are figuring this out, even while things are changing. While there's a lot of unrest, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of crazy things happening around the world. But you know what? You look in your own backyard, sometimes you can find great opportunities. That old Acres of Diamonds story that we talk about a lot. Well, our sponsor today is Fresh Books. Fresh Books is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com 48 days and enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. We know that accounting is one of the main challenges of people, not just people in business, but employees, no matter what your situation, that's one of the things that needs to be addressed. Well, here's some of the questions that we have today. Uh, Somebody says, Dan, I have a dream to help divorced moms. All right. When is it better to simply apply for a job? And when is it better to invest time and effort in a resume and a fancy job search? Great question. Dan, I have a couple of clients in a class and I love it, but I hate marketing. We're going to Flip the switch on how you hate marketing. How about this? My twin sister and I have PhDs in linguistics, but after 70 plus applications, no jobs. And somebody asked, Dan, I have no formal education beyond a few classes related to my previous career. What do I put on a resume? Great questions. There's kind of a theme there. We're going to be dealing a lot with education today. The pluses, the minuses, the challenges, the changes that are going on. So um, stick around. We'll have fun with that. Here's our quotation for the day. comes from Napoleon Hill. You know Napoleon Hill? Think and Grow Rich. One of my old classic favorite books. But Napoleon Hill said, Cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate achievements. Think about that a little bit. He didn't say the degree that you have determines your future. The education that you have, how many years you went to school, he didn't say that at all. He said, cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate achievements. So keep that in mind as we kind of move through some of these stories today. Okay. This comes from Chris, who just a success story. He says, I'm so excited to write you this. My website is up. This is Chris Pavone. 
My website is up and running. It's 100% a result of 48 days. Thank you so much for what you do. I spent the last six months building my business using your 10 to 15 hour a week model. Cool. Very cool. Chris says, I sell my artwork among other things I've created and feel I now have a platform to really build my brand. I'm excited to see where this takes me next. The real work begins now, but I'm not losing sight of the fact that this was a huge accomplishment in getting it launched. I want to encourage others who have a project in mind, but keep balking to just get started and keep pumping those legs. My website, Chris says, is visualfaithworks.com. Visualfaithworks.com. Jump on there and let Chris know what you think about his site. He's got artwork. I did a quick look. Looks awesome, Chris. Get some uh, spiritually or faith-based art with words uh, on top of it, kind of a different approach to art. So now, yeah, now you have the opportunity to figure out how you're going to engage with your audience so you can turn that into money. Awesome, awesome. Way to go. Congratulations on that. Well, I want to just give you a little bit of more update about fresh books, and then we'll move into the questions. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer. Challenging? Yeah, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for being self-employed. Now to meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. You can see when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Well, Andrea says, I have a dream to help divorced moms. Now, this is pretty lengthy. I'll skim over some of this. But she says, Dan, I've listened to your show when it was on radio. Could play the recordings from your website. I've read your book, bought it for several friends. Thank you for your inspiring out-of-the-box thinking. I'm a newly divorced mom of three. Daughter 17, two sons 16, 13 and 6. Um, was married 20 years, stayed home. That's what we agreed to. When I was separating, trying to find a job after not working for so long, it was difficult. Trying to find a place to rent was even harder. Starting over at 40 was not easy and continues to have its challenges. She goes on to talk about the challenges with three kids in different life stages, and she wants to primarily be their mom, but she has the responsibility to provide as well. She says, through this whole process, the last few years, I've seen a giant need for newly divorced single moms, and I want to help. Coming out of a long, hard marriage with little in your name or work history, it's almost impossible to succeed. There's no support groups like the ones you talk about for people coming out of prison to help them get back on their feet. There are no programs that help you walk through the details of building a resume, finding landlords willing to rent to you, even help with moving or furniture. So all of that to say I have a dream. I'm skipping over some lengthy information here. I want to start a program or organization or something that helps women coming out of a divorce or separation. 
I want to equip them with the tools they need to find a job, go back to school, find a place to live, connect them with the financial help that the state offers, even maybe a good lawyer or mediator. Support them with household goods, moving help, even just hanging the curtains. I want to empower a woman to not to be a victim again and to give them spiritual and practical guidance to su- succeed. It's so hard to ask for help. It's embarrassing to go to the food stamp office, paralyzing to not be able to pay your electric bill. I don't want these women to be ashamed or defeated because they choose to start over. I've already have a study guide I'm working on creating to remind these women that they are cherished enough, worthy, loved, something I had to learn again. I'd love to see these moms become small business owners in the community, help them achieve their dream, their goal, the hope for the future they so much deserve. Now, here's a real question. I don't know where or how to begin. I don't have a business degree or a degree at all. I struggle myself to keep the lights on and the rent paid. I just don't know what the first step is and how to be self-sufficient with it. Here's what I know about me. I'm a connector, an encourager, a dream, big person. I love fanning the flame of someone's dream. I love to network and I love people. I'm a good manager of people and I can see a project through. I can be your biggest cheerleader and the last one fighting until the end. I want to make a difference. I'm better when I help people. I want single moms to know they're not alone. They can do this. Just don't know where to start or what to do first. I do know something has to be done. Well, Andrea, I love your heart in this. And a lot of times what we do best comes out of our own toughest experiences. You look at what Dave Ramsey is doing now, teaching people how to not make the same stupid mistakes he did with money that got him into big trouble as a 26-year-old. Now he's done that for a very long time. That's served him very well. You know, what I do in careers was right after, I started that right after a horrible business fiasco where I owed hundreds of thousands of dollars. However, in both of those instances, well, those are good examples. In both of those instances, Dave and I both had other things that we did to generate money very quickly. The helping that we do of other people evolved over a period of time. Both of us started teaching Sunday school classes at Christ Church here in Nashville. You can do the kind of things that you're asking here, but don't expect your heart for service, your heart for ministry and wanting to help divorced moms to be your source of income right out of the gate. I think that puts an unrealistic pressure on your desire to serve well. The best thing you can be, you can do to help these struggling moms is not be one of them. You need to find out what it is that you can do that gets you on top financially and emotionally so that you really can be a shining light for women and then coming into that tough situation. So this is a kind of a, a chicken and the egg. Yeah. You want to start something that sounds, you know, like a ministry, almost maybe a nonprofit where you'd have to ask for donations, but you're not in a position to do that. The first thing you need to do is get yourself on solid ground Be that mom you want to be to your three kids, but figure out what you're going to do. Is that going to be a small business? What is that going to look like? You know, what would that look like if, in fact, you did that as a way to get yourself on top? So do that first. Make this a two-part thing. And here's what you can do as well. You can tithe your time and your resources, as you're probably going to do anyway. You can tithe those in ways that would really help other people. But be careful about making 100% of your efforts just fulfilling your desire to help other people because you'll end up broke, not being able to pay the rent yourself, 
frustrated and angry because you don't understand why your desire to help other people puts you in a position where it depletes your own resources. And there's that little video that I do of the three wine bottles. You know, we want to serve from a full cup. And I encourage you, fill your own cup. That's not a greedy or selfish thing to do. It's a, it's a, a tactic to put yourself into a position where you can give well. Now, I've got a note here from Nicola, and it really relates to your question, Andrea. You guys need to just connect here. I'll give you Nicola's um, website. She says, Dan, I'm a big fan of you and your 48 days to the work you love. I wanted to reach out and introduce myself as we share a common audience and passion to help people. I'm a marriage and divorce transformation specialist, and I help couples increase the love, happiness, and passion in their marriage. Or if divorce has already been decided, then I focus on helping parents help themselves and their children through it. Marriage problems and divorce can cause havoc in people's lives, and it is my mission to help reduce the stress, heartache, and suffering it can often bring. So Andrea Nicola is doing really what you want to do, but she's a little farther down the road, apparently. So she does talk, write, coach. She says she talks on three topics, how to increase love, happiness, and fun in relationships, how to have a thriving business and home life, how to help and strengthen children through divorce. Um, to see more about Nicola and her approach to helping people. She's got two websites. One is savemymarriageprogram.com. And the other one is purepeacecoaching.com. So go, Andrea, go there, check that out. Any of the rest of you listening who are interested in this, you know, she's fulfilling her desire to help people who have walked through the pain of divorce. Savemymarriageprogram.com. So check that out. You two need to get together. You can encourage each other. But again, Andrew, I go back to my original premise. Make your desire to help people 10% of what you do, not 100%. David says, uh, Dan, when is it better to simply apply for a job? And when is it better to invest time and effort in a resume and a fancy job search? Well, here, here's what I would use as kind of a, a rule of thumb. If you want a job that's going to pay less than $50,000, just walk in the front door. I mean, you can get a job as a manager at Arby's, you know, walk in there and get a job. I mean, I, I see people in fast food places all the time who just walk in, talk to the manager and start work the next day. So at those entry level kind of positions, yeah, just walk in. If though you are going to step up a little bit, so you're looking for that 60, 70, $80,000 a year job, yeah, then you're better off to have a well-constructed resume and go through a job search. When you just walk in the door, you really put yourself at risk of accepting something that is maybe less than best. But it's something to get in the game. And if you need a paycheck on Friday, that's the way to do it. You don't need to do a job search. Get out here. I mean, Home Depot, here where I live in Franklin, Tennessee, has a permanent sign out front that essentially says if you're 16 years old and you breathe we want to talk to you. So you can get a job like that. Just walk in and get started. But to really move up the career ladder and get a job that is a more professional position that really clearly uses your strongest skills and abilities and talents, you, know, you want to do a resume and a job search. Jonathan says now he, his subject title for his email was designing a meaningful life. Now I love this question. 
Jonathan says, I'm a huge fan of your work, your general approach toward life. I was listening to a podcast the other day that challenged me to reach out to those who I read, listen to, and am inspired by. You're one of those people. I have one question. What are some important aspects and or resources when trying to figure out what to do with your life? I'm 27, self-employed, trying to figure out how to design a meaningful life while supporting myself and a future wife. Your reply would be greatly appreciated. Thanks in advance. Well, Jonathan, man, I love your approach to reach out to people who you read, listen to, and am inspired by. Well, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I did that and I still do that. But in back in the early days, I mean, I was reaching out to people like Mark Victor Hansen and Dennis Waitley and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy. Um, all those early greats. Yeah, I did that and got to meet a lot of those people over time because I invested in their products, their programs, attended their conferences. I mean, I didn't just ask them to come see me or to buy me lunch, but I invested in the things they had already provided as informational resources and then did in fact get to meet them. So what are some important aspects of resources when trying to figure out what to do with your life? Well, Certainly, in all due modesty, I hope that 48 Days to the Work You Love is a resource that you have to help you do exactly that. That is the focus of 48 Days to the Work You Love, the book, how to figure out what you want to do with your life. 85% of the process is looking inward, identifying what are your unique skills and abilities? What are your personality tendencies? What are your values, dreams, and passions? So it's very much introspective, looking inward, 85%. From there to figure out a clear focus, and then the 15% is to identify what would the daily application of that look like in terms of job, career, business. So do that. Now, we have lots and lots of resources. And if you go to 48days.com, I mean, just simply listen into the podcast week after week. or going back in the archives. You're going to find a whole lot of content there. You know, my blogs, but there are hundreds and hundreds of blogs that you can put in a search in 48days.com, go to the bottom of the uh, opening web page, the website page, go to the bottom, there's a search bar, put in there anything you want, you know, meaningful life, you can put that in, you can put in resume, focus, making money, whatever you want, and you're going to find a whole bunch of resources that will help you in doing exactly that. Well, speaking of which... Just a reminder, these are real-life questions. you got a question or success story you want to share, I'd love to hear it. I love opening that magical email box every Wednesday when I do the podcast. I sort through those questions. So you can go to Ask Dan after you go to 48days.com. Just go to the podcast link. Hey, I'm making it confusing. You know, the simplest way is just shoot an email to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. I get a whole lot of email there. I've been on the road a couple of weeks and came back and had mountains and mountains of email there because that's a pretty obvious, a pretty public email address. Um, that's where you, but I do, I read every single one of those. I mean, I, I have nobody that screens and goes through and narrows down to only 10% that I, I read every single one. Now, unfortunately, it is becoming a challenge because about 70% of what I get there are sales promos or you need to interview this pe- person promos or we want you on our podcast you know but there are things that don't relate just to the questions that i most love to read there i may at some point change that email 
I may change it so that the point at which you can address questions coming in is something different. But right now it's askdan at 48days.com. Well, let's move along here. Catherine says, <clears throat> I, I was one of the teachers who wrote in about kids learning table manners in school. And you read my comment. Thanks. I found you when I was looking for a way out of teaching. It's incredibly stressful. Found your book and podcast and have been listening ever since. I am so glad you have this podcast. I got out of teaching, got a job, health coaching company employees, but it's part-time and it isn't as fulfilling as we only have 10 minute conversations. My question is, do I look for a different full-time job, an additional part-time job, or use the extra time I have to get clients and set up classes for what I love, which is health, wellness, nutrition, coaching. I have a couple of clients in a class and I love it, all caps, but I hate marketing. P.S. I'm an INFP. <laughs> all right. Well, here's the deal, Catherine. You're really on the right track. You moved out of teaching because it's stressful, but you took those same skills, those that same desire to help, to nurture, to encourage, to direct people. And now you're doing it in companies with health coaching, which sounds like it's a really great fit for you. So you're doing that there, but it's a part-time job, but you do have a couple clients. You already have a class. You love it. The only caveat is this, but I hate marketing. Catherine, stop hating marketing. You simply need to change your perspective of what marketing is. You're presenting that old kind of image of marketing is somebody knocking on your door at seven o'clock at night when you just sat down at dinner with your family and he wants to show you a new vacuum cleaner. Yeah, we all hate that kind of marketing. You don't need to do that. We have to keep in mind good marketing and selling is simply sharing enthusiasm about something you believe in. Do you believe in the value of your health and wellness nutrition coaching? Absolutely. What that means then is that you ought to be willing to talk about that with anybody that you meet. Now in selling, which again is something that you're going to not enjoy. And as an INFP, that means you're introverted. I can get that. You don't need to change how God has gifted you at all. Don't need to change. Be a great INFP. However, you also need to be very, very open about your passion for health, wellness, nutrition, coaching, meaning that it would very likely when you're checking out at the grocery store, lead to a conversation with the gal that's checking you out and turn that person into a potential client. Be that confident about the benefits of what you do. If you believe in what you do, you don't have to market and sell. You just share your enthusiasm. Now, really what we're talking about here is a mind shift. We're talking about a change in perspective, but you can do that. Don't see yourself as a blue suede shoe car salesman. See yourself as somebody who is so competent, so capable, and so excited about helping people experience better health that you, you know they're going to lose out if they don't take advantage of that. You don't want them to lose out. You would want your next door neighbor, your cousin, your sister, you know, anybody that you meet to be able to access the value that you bring to the table. You get that mindset. You don't need to worry about selling and marketing. You're going to have a full schedule. And yes, I would encourage you not to get a different full-time job, but to simply take what you already have. Continue the part-time, which sounds like a great fit, 
I mean, even some of those people are probably great candidates to turn into longer term coaching clients, but use the foundation that you have there. You're so close. I mean, you're so close to having exactly what it is you describe that you want. And it's just a perspective change. Here's an example. I was recently on a, well, this has been about a year ago now, actually on a phone session with my mastermind, my personal mastermind. I was complaining about the fact that I was still dealing with some little legal issues based on the death of my mother-in-law who had died two years prior to that time. And my mother-in-law was not a happy camper, not a pleasant person to be around. And and I was telling my mastermind, it's just like a, a burr under my saddle. Every time I have to get into that and deal with, again, the mountains of paperwork required to clear everything up so that her little meager assets would be fully transferred to Joanne, her daughter, my wife. And I mentioned how much I hated that, how much it irritated me. Dr. Chris McCloskey is in there. He says, Dan, what if you change your perspective on that? Rather than seeing it as an irritation, as a burr under your saddle, why don't you see it as a gift that you're going to give to Joanne? I mean, it was like one of those V8 moments. He could have whacked me up in front of the head with a two by four. It totally shifted my perspective. That's not an irritation. This is a gift that I'm going to give my wife. And I pursued it as such and did exactly that. I want you to do the same thing with your hatred of marketing. Don't hate marketing. Love nutrition coaching. That's the shift. And if you do that shift, you'll have people standing in line for what it is you do. Now, this comes from Kelsey. My identical twin sister. This is a toughie. My identical twin sister and I love your podcast. We seek your advice in the job search. We have applied to 70 plus jobs, mostly instructor professor positions in linguistics and related fields globally. We have not gotten a job yet after graduating with PhDs in linguistics a year ago. We have read and followed the tips in your book, but no luck. Our parents are urging us to apply to be flight attendants. Our passion, though, is language, food, culture, such as analyzing cookbooks or the humor on cooking shows. We love working together in our excellent research, writing, and analytical thinking. We're not sure if being a flight attendant would suit us. The funds are running low, though. What would you suggest? Thanks for your advice. Kelsey and Carrie. Kelsey and Carrie, identical twins, have their PhDs in linguistics. I hope, Kelsey, I hope, I don't even want to know the reality, perhaps. I hope that you got your PhDs on somebody else's nickel, that you gals were bright enough to get teaching assistantships, grants, other kinds of monetary help that paid for your PhDs. I hope beyond hope that you do not have student loan attached to getting PhDs in linguistics. Now, here's the deal. There are two reasons for getting advanced degrees. Two reasons, clearly. One is so you get a piece of paper that will enable you to get a job. 
The second reason is for the personal growth and development, the experiences of being there that you now have. If you get, especially an advanced degree for reason number one, so you get a piece of paper to get you a job, you're probably going to be disappointed. You and a whole lot of other people that have PhD or JD or DDS or MD behind their name. It just is not a good approach. So what you need to do at this point is look at the value of that process, the time spent on a university campus, the people that you got to know there, how that increased your ability to understand food, language, and culture that can never be taken away from you. But in terms of preparing you for jobs, wow, you you picked a needle in a haystack. The, the positions for people with an MBA in linguistics and you had to go on. I, I really am curious as to the motivation to pursue a PhD in linguistics. I mean, if you have an MBA, you can go to Google or tech companies, places like Rosetta Stone. You know, they're always hiring linguists for speech analysis, data collection. But with a PhD, almost without exception, the only possibility of a job based on that degree is in academia, which seems like a self-perpetuating challenge. There's no practical application for a PhD in linguistics, so you teach other people how to do the same thing. Now, I know you said you've already been applying for professors, assistant professor positions, I went on the Linguistic Society of America website. They are the ones promoting that you get a degree in linguistics and talk about all the wonderful experiences you'll have while getting that degree. I clicked through to their job postings. This is the Linguistic Society of America. I clicked through to their job postings. There were nine positions listed, most of them very old, all as research assistants or assistant professors at universities. Those are not real highly acclaimed positions. I don't know if that was your original intent. You would just stay in academia, but I don't know of another application for a PhD in linguistics. However, let's jump to the, however, that being said, look at your affinity for language, food, and culture. Use that as the basis for doing a job search. Identify the unique skills that the two of you have, Kelsey and Carrie. Identify the unique personality characteristics that you guys have. Fun projects that you've worked on. Things you've done in a community. Social networks you've been involved in. Let people see your value in that way and align yourself with an opportunity to be immersed in culture, food, language. There's a lot of opportunities to do that, but it probably isn't going to have a great deal to do directly with your PhD. Having a PhD on your resume may actually be a deterrent to having companies even want to talk to you. You may want to consider not having that on there. Now that's not deceptive misrepresentation It's simply not listing something that you do have. If you list a PhD and you don't have one, that's dishonest. 
But to have one and not listed on there may serve you well in getting to talk to some organizations. I mean, if you approach Southwest or American Airlines with a desire to be a flight attendant and you show having a PhD, they may not want to talk to you at all. But if you show them some other things that would make you a great candidate to interact with their customers, the way that you love humor, the way you understand culture, perhaps being competent in multiple languages, those would be great skills to show where they may in fact say, wow, we've got a position in our corporate office because we're opening up some new routes to China and Asia. You know, you would be great. We want to talk to you. So don't base your job search just on having a PhD in linguistics. Downplay that based on who you are, what makes you unique and move forward from that. You know, there, there are companies out there like Google that have been very open about the fact, you know, not too long ago I, on the podcast, I went through 10 major companies who no longer require a degree as part of their job search process at all. And those were like major accounting firms and of course, places like Google, Microsoft and others. The HR director at, at Google says, you don't need a college degree to be talented. He says, when you look at people who don't go to school and make their way in the world, those are exceptional human beings. And we do everything we can to find those people. Wow. At Google, the word, word college isn't even in its official guide to hiring. With the rise of self-paced college courses of vocational learning, plenty of people are driven. They can teach themselves all the necessary skills to work at the company. Well, well, I don't want to discourage. Don't regret anything. I mean, I went through, I've got a, a master's in clinical psychology, and then I did my doctoral work in religion and society. I mean, what, what is that going to have as a direct application of the work that I do? It doesn't matter. I went, I got those degrees because I enjoyed the learning process. I wanted to continue just a more formalized process of studying that I was already doing. It had really nothing to do with my career direction at all. Of course, by the time I was getting those degrees, I already, you know, was writing books and coaching and doing the things that I do today. So getting the degrees was just simply a, a continuation of my own desire for learning. So just switch your mindset a little bit there. And I think you can get in the game and rock and roll. Boy, keep me posted on that. I'd love to hear an update on the identical twins story six months from now with something really creative that you guys have carved out as a result of your unique skills and abilities. All right, here's a related one. More of the same. Michael says, I'm a board certified family doc and obesity specialist. I love teaching, coaching, educating, but I hate the venue in which I do it. Not to mention I'm a disabled vet, hundred percent rating for progressive blindness. And some of what I do in practice is getting more difficult. I also have an MBA and I'm slowly working toward a seminary PhD in church and state studies. Studying, reading, writing gets me up in the morning. Where do I begin to try to monetize this knowledge, experience, and passion? Well, some of what I just talked about, Michael, carries over to this. I hope and pray that you are not borrowing a penny to be progressing toward a seminary PhD in church and state studies. I mean, where are you going with that? You have an MD and you're working on a PhD in church and state studies. 
What does a PhD in church and state studies prepare you to do in terms of career? Wow. You're a board certified family doctor and obesity specialist. That seems about 500 times more applicable in ways that will monetize your knowledge, experience, and passion than a PhD in church and state studies. Golly, I would, uh, again, if you're doing this just for the personal enjoyment, more power to you. Enjoy the process. But if you're pursuing this with the illusion that it's going to lead to some kind of a job or monetary security, I would say, and, and if you're borrowing a penny as part of this PhD program, I would say stop today. Stop what you're doing. I have zero confidence in that being a direction that's going to pan out for you. But I think being a family doc, an obesity specialist, my goodness, think about the applications there. And you say you love teaching, coaching, and educating. You just hate the venue that you're in now. Turn those skills. You can be a disabled vet, progressive blindness, the things that you're doing. You can coach, teach, create courses, classes, be guest on podcasts, do your own podcast. I mean, you can do all kinds of things like that with everything that you describe. But people are going to be drawn to that if they are obese, if you are addressing specific physical challenges. If you're addressing church and state studies, I can't imagine attracting an audience. I can't imagine a book that's going to put food on the table or pay one month's mortgage for you. Now, I know I'm generalizing here. Has it been done? Yes. Oh my gosh, it's so much easier to help, help, help you stand out as an obesity specialist. I would say don't negate the value of what you already have. Just position it in a different way. Just shape it in a different way. Wow. Boy, again, Michael, I want to hear an update on that. I don't want to discourage you at all. I want to encourage you. But um, that's certainly, if you're a coaching client of mine, that's exactly what you're going to hear, what I just gave you there. Well, this comes from David. Another resume question. I'm creating a resume for the first time after recently leaving my family's business. I have no formal education beyond a few classes related to my previous career. I am, however, an avid reader and podcaster in subjects such as business, personal growth, and leadership. Should I list which books and podcasts have contributed to my professional education? No, not really. Don't just, what you're doing there is trying to substitute saying, I don't really have a degree, but I've read these books and listened to these podcasts. No, keep in mind the radio station that those companies are listening to that you're applying to is WIIFM. And that is the radio station that everybody listens to. What's in it for me? Describe what you can do that has value for that company. That's where you want to go. What have you refined? What is you, what have you developed as unique skills while being in your family's business? Is it in customer service? Is it in financial management and budgeting, inventory control, manufacturing? And I don't know what the business is. Look at the business. That, e, that is the expertise that you need to bring to the forefront to move on to the next position in your career. No problem at all. Use those things 
again, the companies are not looking for, where did you get a degree 20 years ago? Golly, I got a degree from the Ohio State University in psychology years ago. My foreign language to fulfill my foreign language requirement was in Fortran. Now, most of you listening probably don't even know what that is. Look it up. You can Google it. It's a very, very old computer language. But I mean, most, well, pretty much virtually everything that I got as part of my bachelor's degree probably has no value today outside of the networking and growing up personally. And I was early in my marriage, early in parenting. I mean, those were formative years for me. Yes, but not because of what I was reading in textbooks. So take, and and if I'm going to go out in the job search today, what they're going to ask me is, what have you done in the last six months? Show us what you've done in the last two years. Not where did you get a degree years and years ago? No. And the same thing is true for you, David. What have you done in the last two years? What have you done to add revenue? Wow. If you increased revenue in a particular division of your family's business by 30%, that's what you want to show on your resume. Don't worry about not having a formal education. Education comes in a whole lot of ways and formal meaning you got it by sitting your butt in a seat in a classroom and regurgitating what was in a textbook is not the best way to get an education. Companies realize that show them what you've done to get an education that really has value. Well, the subject line here is how to find jobs before they're posted online. This comes from Abishik, okay, who says, I'm a subscriber and listener to your podcast for a few months now. I'd like to thank you for your work. I had a query for you. In one of your recent podcasts, you mentioned that the job that is posted online is already filled 85% of the time before even reaching that online posting. Could you please point me toward the podcast or article where you've talked about this in more detail? Well, again, if you go to 48days.com, just scroll down on the homepage, there's a search bar. You could put in there job search. You can put in there job postings. You can put in there anything you want to, and you're going to get all the relevant material that I've got on the website. And there's thousands of articles and connections to podcasts there that may help you. But, but really, the, the point is very simple, and I can explain it right here. That is true. By the time you see something online, you've missed your window of opportunity for that. It doesn't matter if unemployment is low and unemployment is relatively low right now. I mean, we're a little more than 5%. I mean, we're going to have 5% even in what we call full employment. There's always going to be that many people in between in transition. I got a note from um, a lady that I coached a few years ago just this morning and she had a position with a company. They had promoted her twice. She had great deal of responsibility over millions of dollars. They called her in two weeks ago and said, we need to cut $600,000 from our bottom line immediately. We're letting you go. Well, it just, it just happens. The way you find opportunities is not by waiting to see what's online. But it's by going through, and of course, I do have these steps laid out in 48 Days to the Work You Love, the section on job search, but identify 30 to 40 companies that you would like to work for, where you know there would be a potential match of the skills that you have. You don't need to wait until there's a job posting. When there's a job posting, again, you're too late. But identify 30 to 40 companies that you'd like to work for. God, if you've got great skills, 
in graphic design, probably pretty much any company out there is going to be a candidate. You don't wait till they post that they have a position. If they do post, they're going to have not only those 5% of people who are out of work, but they're going to have 3,000 people who are currently employed but looking for better opportunities apply as well. You put yourself up against thousands of other people. If you use this approach where you identify 30 to 40 companies, contact them. Say, I love what you do at your company. My skills would be a great compliment to what you're doing. In the next four or five days, expect to see my resume and cover letter. Do that. Then the next step, the third step, I mean, the first step is that introduction letter. The next step is cover letter and resume. The third step is a phone follow-up. Yes, phone, that old antiquated thing. No, it still works. A follow-up. And in doing that, that's why we still have people getting multiple job offers. doesn't matter what the economy is, who's in the White House, doesn't matter. If you do the job search right, there are lots and lots of opportunities out there. But if you're looking at things in the newspaper or in the online posting, you're really up against, the odds are against you dramatically. Probably not going to happen. You can do this. Wow. I mean, you can find online positions. I mean, you can go to work for a company that's in a different country from which you live. I mean, this is a great time to be doing that. I mean, I taught uh, Jim Cockrum in my mastermind. He's the guru that I refer you to with anything having to do with selling on Amazon or eBay. He is the guy. Well, he has a team of about 40 people. Many of those people he's never met face to face. They're people who prove their competence in doing what he needed done, but it has nothing to do with geographic location. They don't get together, you know, in a little office building on Monday morning. Well, I'm, I'm the same way here. I don't have staff meetings where people show up here. My gosh, what a waste of time. I don't want to do that. I want to jump online with seven people who are key people in this particular area. Talk about what our goals are for the next 12 weeks in that area and move on to people who are responsible for other areas responsibility. But just be up to speed in how the job search is changing. Again, here, Abhishek, if you do not have a copy of 40 Days, I'd be happy to shoot one out to you. Not sure where you live. I don't have your address here, but I'd be happy to get you an electronic version or ship you a physical copy. No problem at all. Be delighted to do that. Well, golly, the time has moved quickly again here. Kind of feel like I'm back in a saddle again after a couple of weeks of being traveling. Uh, the cruise and other things Joanna and I were doing, but delighted to be back. We're already into March. Can't believe we're into the third month of the year already. I hope you're on track with the goals that you've got for 2017. You ought to already be thinking about things that you want to accomplish in 2018. And it's going to be here in a blink of an eye. And we're committing to events and things in 2019, 2020. So I like that long time frame. Be planning ahead. Know what it is you want to accomplish. You decide your success in advance. It's not something that shows up unexpectedly. It just kind of creeps in the back door. You decide in advance what you want your success to look like. And then just live it out. That's write the story of your life in advance. And you can just write a chapter. You don't have to write the whole thing. You may not know how it ends. I don't know how mine ends. But I love writing a few chapters ahead and say, wow, that's what I want my life to look like. Yep, that's what I'm going to do to make it happen. Well, thanks for being part of this community where you're not content with normal, with indecision, with things being the same. Yeah, I know you're 
one who is interested in moving ahead. You're part of this group where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.